you know what? It's really fun to be here. Adrian Wojnarowski with breaking news in the NBA. Woj, what more can you tell us about what the format's going to look like and what teams will be there when the NBA season does resume in Orlando? L, the league office has a proposal now that it is sharing with team owners. There is a vote set for tomorrow afternoon where the league's board of governors uh, will approve a 22-team return to play uh, in Orlando beginning on July 31st. 13 teams from the Western Conference, nine from the East. Tell me why you think Boston, Jay Will, or Jay Rose, is the best team to unseat the Bucks. Because they have a core that's young, but actually experienced with playing with each other. That always means something. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Tatum is 21 years old. My God, is he coming. Oh, Jason Tatum! Bring that smoke! That's an all-star! Tatum against Caruso, spins, gets inside, and backs it home. Boy, so impressive. Smart coming to the ball, loses Young. Shoulder down, takes it to the basket, kicks it to the corner. Nice fake by Hayward, pulls up for the jumper, it gets two. Walker. Oh, big fumble by Tice. Back out to Jalen Brown. Strong first half. Oh, oh, oh strong and cut a body. Oh, boy. He just keeps getting better and better. Still move from Walker, and he puts it in. Kemba Walker with some razzle-dazzle. This is my M-season ticket to you, can I be? Let's go! What's up, 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 how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 74 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. It's great to be talking with you again, or should I say it's great to be heard again by all of you fantastic Boston Celtics fans. How's everyone doing? It's so great to be back. I hope everyone had a nice holiday weekend. It was definitely weird not seeing uh, NBA free agency taking place, you know, a couple years ago during the 4th of July weekend. Gordon Hayward got signed by the Boston Celtics. Al Horford a couple years before that. We almost got Kevin Durant. I mean, he said no to Tom Brady. So, I mean, I mean, who, who does that? But I hope all your family and friends are safe and healthy, especially mentally during this uh crazy last three months since the last time we talked on uh, episode 73 and before you know before we begin uh just a reminder that black lives matter they always will matter and i am so proud that the nba will be allowing players to wear social justice statements on their jerseys in this upcoming orlando nba tournament bubble and if you don't support what I just said about Black Lives Matter, you can please shut off the podcast and move on with your life. Thanks so much. So, it's Monday, July 6th. Why the hell am I doing a podcast in the middle of the summer? 
with no basketball going on. Well, the NBA is coming back, and I just wanted to update you the best way that I could with everything that's going on. And then in a couple weeks, when hopefully basketball is being played again, I'll come back, and we will talk about basketball, and hopefully it can distract some of us with everything that's going on in the world, but also keep a lot of what's important in the forefront, if that makes sense. Got it? Great. Good. So, as you heard in the intro uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski, on June 4th, the NBA informed its Board of Governors uh, some of the following information. Uh, training camp would start on June 30th, so we're already past that, and things have kind of been going well. I mean, seven teams have shut down their facilities for positive COVID tests, but, you know, we're, we're going to try and stay positive here. And then starting tomorrow, July 7th to July 9th, different NBA teams will be flying out on different dates. Each team is allowed to bring 35 positions, including players. So coaching, chefs, you know, people do massages, barbers, assistants, video people, you name it. 35 people are allowed to go for each team. The Celtics, as far as I know from what I've been reading, are leaving on Wednesday, July 8th. So keep an eye out in the sky for those jet blue Celtics. I'm sure they're going to fly in something much nicer than that. But... Just keep an eye out for it in the sky. Now, this is what's going to be happening down in Florida, in Orlando, in what they're calling the NBA bubble. I don't know if this is going to work, to be honest with you. I think the first time a big-time NBA player gets this, people are going to go absolutely nuts, and who knows what's going to happen with it. But this is what's going to be happening. What I'm going to be doing probably for the next 10 or 15 minutes is just kind of breaking down what the tournament's going to be like what the tests, what the health side of this all is going to look like, and then how the player is going to live. And then I'll break down the Celtics schedule for you just so we can talk a little bit about basketball because that's why I do the Banner Banter podcast. So here we go. Training camp, July 9th to July 21st, down in Orlando in the bubble. There will be scrimmages for each team from July 22nd to July 28th. And then on August 17th, if all goes well, the playoffs will start. What's going to be cool about the playoffs and see how it affects some players' play will be on August 30th, family and guests of teams that are still in the playoffs, that are still around, may arrive down in the bubble. So it'll be interesting to see what families are comfortable going, what families are not comfortable going, how it will change players' attitudes and moods. So that will be very, very interesting. Then about a month later, September 30th, is the hope for the start of the NBA Finals. If this last seven games, those two teams will have stayed at Disney World, Orlando, whatever the hell you want to call it, the NBA bubble, for a total of 82 days. That is a long, long time to be stuck in a hotel room down in Disney World, especially when you know, you're know you a grown-ass man and not an eight-year-old kid. I'm sure someone is probably saying, oh, I'd love to be at Disney World for 82 days. Then that's on you, boo-boo. And enjoy yourself. So this is how it's all going to work out. It's going to be a 22-team format, 13 teams from the Western Conference, 9 teams from the Eastern Conference. Each team is scheduled to play 8 games. Most of them are for their schedule the way that it was. I'm trying to say this the right way. The way that the schedule was already made if the season continued. So, for example, the Celtics' next game after they beat the Pacers and clinched this playoff spot in mid-March was going to be the Bucks. And they're going to play the Bucks first. So the schedule is mostly the same 
for a lot of the teams. Some of the some of them are a little bit different, but the Celtics schedule for the most part is what it was going to look like if the season continued to play in March. Now, why are there 13 teams from the West and 9 teams from the East and that's not how the NBA does their playoffs. It's usually 8 and 8. So, basically what they wanted to do is they wanted to give any team that still had a hope that could catch up a catch up with a couple games going on. I, you guys notice I'm stuttering here. It's been a long time since I've uh, podcasted alone. Usually I do my Wicked Fast podcast, a NASCAR podcast, if you want to check that out, with someone else so I don't have to speak this much. But with that being said, my my apologies if I'm being a stuttering Stanley during during this process. I'm also a little giddy that I'm talking about the Celtics again, if you get what I'm saying. So here we go. Let me try and start that over. So the NBA was trying to get any team that had a shot at the eighth seed with the remaining, let's say, what was it, probably 20 games left that each team had, maybe 15, 20 games that each team had left. They thought, okay, hey, if one team's only three and a half games behind, there's 20 games left, they might be able to catch up on that. So let's see if they can catch up in eight. So if the eighth and ninth seed finish four games apart, the ninth seed would have to beat the eighth seed two out of three times to get that playoff berth. So this is an example for you. Right now the Grizzlies are the eighth seed, and they hold a three-and-a-half game lead over the Trailblazers and the Pelicans. We all know that I'm a little biased about the Pelicans because of J.J. Redick, Jahil Okafor, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Frank Jackson, because I'm a Duke guy, and just in case you forgot, because I know it's been a while since the last time I podcast. So let's say the Grizzlies go 4-4, four and four, 500 record. Trailblazers go 4-4. Four and four, 500 record. So that means the Trailblazers don't gain anything on the Grizzlies, but the Pelicans go 5 and 3. They gain one game on the Grizzlies. So that means the Trailblazers are now out of the picture. That means the Pelicans will only be two and a half games behind the Grizzlies. And that means the Pelicans have to beat the Grizzlies two out of three times to be the eighth seed which would then mean that they would most likely, probably definitely, would have to play the Lakers as the number one seed in the Western Conference. Now, obviously, of course, I'm sure the NBA and Adam Silver are dying to have Zion versus LeBron in the first round. No fans. Who gives a crap? Just have them go body for body. Zion lost 15 pounds but gained 10 pounds of muscle. So it's going to be very interesting. There's a picture that the Pelicans posted of Zion Williamson. And my God, not to use Stephen A's uh, clip from <laughs> from the intro, but my God, he looks gin- like he looks even more jacked than he did before. It's going to be pretty crazy. So that's basically how the format's going to work. So each team is going to play eight games. The standings are still going to matter. So, you know, we'll we'll talk about the standings in a bit. But any of the extra teams like the Wizards are the extra team in the East, and then you have the Spurs, Pelicans, Grizz, uh, Trailblazers, Kings, and Grizzlies. They're all fighting for the eighth seed as well. So that's how it's all going to work out in this 22-team format. The other couple things that the NBA governors announced on June 4th is that the NBA draft would be October 16th. So all this is supposed to be over on October 10th, if all goes well. Those 82 days are supposed to be over on October 10th. And then six days later, it's going to be the NBA draft. That's not usually how it works. Usually it's about two or three weeks in between. So that will be interesting. And then free agency would begin on October 18th. Also very interesting. And then the 2021 season, this is the, the hope, the game plan. 
But the 2021 season would start. The, yeah, the 2020-21 season would start November 10th for training camp, and then December 1st opening night. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the players are going to say, we need more rest. That's ridiculous. You only gave us a month off, and then you're expecting us to play another 82 games. And then I really hope they push that back 24, 25 days, an extra three weeks, so that way we can have opening night on Christmas the way the NBA should be set up. So let's focus on the health side of what's going to be going on down in the bubble in Orlando. The, the health and safety protocol that the NBA sent out to the players and the teams and the coaches and the executives and blah, 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 is over a hundred pages long, so that's clearly a lot for the players to grasp. But I, I didn't read all of it. I just got some things from certain websites, and I tried to get what I thought was most interesting, which would then mean what you think would be most interesting. So, if a player tests positive for COVID nineteen, they will have to go into rest and recovery for fourteen days, and that player will not be able to work out, but will have to pass a couple cardiac tests before he actually gets back to play. The players will be tested daily, and if someone does get tested positive, they will have to go to a separate housing. All the teams will be staying in different hotels. I'll explain that shortly. So if one player gets tested positive, he'll have to move all of his stuff to a different location. They'll clean down his room. He'll have to be by himself for 14 days, take a couple tests, do a cardiac test, and then move on. What's going to be interesting is the news over the last few days. Gordon Hayward and Vincent Poirier. That was really good. For someone who was a little rusty, that was a, that was really good. So yeah, Gordon Hayward and Vincent Poirier stated that their baby mamas are going to be having children in August or September, and both of them will be leaving. So for example, Robin Hayward, fourth child is being born if the Celtics make it during the Eastern Conference Finals. Probably not an ideal time basketball-wise, but with everything going on in the world, family's more important than basketball. With that being said, I respect Gordon's decision, and I hope his teammates do too, because to be honest with you, Gordon's kind of in a tough spot. And if you think about it, he has a choice to opt in or opt out by October 17th, because free agency starts the 18th. So Gordon Hayward could cost the Celtics over $30 million next season to stay. But he could make some of his teammates feel uncomfortable if he leaves during a possible title run. Like, Gordon Hayward could leave, like, game three, and the Celtics could be up two to one in a series. And Gordon Hayward goes back to be with his family, which I respect, and I get it. But how are his teammates going to react to that? Will they want that back? I think this locker room would want him back. I think the locker room would understand it. I know Kemba and Jalen don't have kids, but Jason Tatum's obsessed with Deuce. Mark, well, Marcus Smart doesn't have any kids either. Well, a lot of these players, when I think about it, don't have a lot of kids. Uh, Tice has a kid. Grant Williams doesn't. Tremont Waters does. Carson Edwards doesn't. Romeo Langford doesn't. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I'm hoping everyone on the team actually respects and understands what Gordon's doing because, to be honest with you, I can't handle more Celtics locker room drama for at least 20 years. I mean, I don't think we've all recovered from the Kyrie thing, and I'm not going to talk about Kyrie and whatever he did on his Zoom calls with the NBA players. Nope, I'm going to ignore that. I'm absolutely not going to do that. So I got faith 
that everyone in the Celtics locker room respects and understands what Gordon Hayward's going through, and Gordon Hayward will do the right thing. He will leave. But when Gordon leaves, even if it's only for one day, he has, you know, for the birth of his fourth child, daddy's always happy, he can't come back for 10 days. And then during those 10 days, he's going to have to pass a couple of COVID-19 tests before he returns. So if Gordon leaves, like I said, it's 2-1 to one, Eastern Conference Finals. Gordon might not be back until Game 6, possibly Game 7, if it goes that far, if the Celtics do make it that far. So just something to keep in mind. I'm not angry at Gordon Hayward. I don't blame him at all. He cares very much about his family, and I respect those people a great deal. So all the props to him. And I'm sure a couple Boston radio people are going to rip him a new one for it and shame on them. But here we go. So what's also interesting, uh, before we kind of get into what the life will be like for these players, um, as of Saturday, the NBA informed teams that if a player misses a COVID-19 test before everyone leaves on the plane, they will not be allowed to travel with the team and then would have to register three negative tests in a row before they can go to Orlando. And they have to go to Orlando on their own. Like, catch your own flight, drive down, whatever the case may be. So for all you NBA players out there, don't miss one, especially if you're part of the Boston Celtics organization. Don't miss one. So I think the NBA are, is going to be doing a lot of tests. And I, and I like what they're doing. If you get it, you got to leave 14 days. I mean, maybe the 14 days is... A little strong just because these guys are in tip-top shape they're you know one-of-a-kind athletes where someone like myself who is a jabroni who's you know in okay shape I guess I mean compared to them I guess I'm in okay shape I can see 14 days but for these guys seven days couple negative tests pass your cardiac test I could see that but the NBA is playing in as safe as possible and obviously taking a huge risk here so you have to respect that so this is what I'm really most interested in hopefully you guys are too but I'm most interested, what is life going to be like <laughs> for all these NBA players? Because it's crazy to me that you're going to have LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, you know, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you name it, literally in a hotel down in Disney World for 80 some odd days. That's absolutely wild to me. So the NBA will be staying in three different hotels in Disney World. The Grand Destino, I think that's what you call it. The Grand Floridian and the Yacht Club. The Celtics will be staying in the Grand Destino. If you want to know what, where all the other teams are staying, go do that on your own. I only care about the Boston Celtics. So when everyone arrives, so for example, Celtics are leaving supposedly on July 8th. When the Celtics arrive on July 8th, they have to stay in their hotel room, self-quarantine for 48 hours. And then they have to pass two negative tests in a row. And during that time, players and staff can't go into each other's room. So you're telling these guys, hey, you're going to fly down in this nice place, and you're going to sit your ass there for 48 hours. And then when you're done, you have to pass two negative tests in a row before you can pick up a basketball. Pretty crazy, but I get it. So what are these players going to do? Each team will have their own chef and food available 24 hours a day. There will be an option to go to some restaurants, but nothing is set in stone yet. But... The Celtics will have their their chef that they're used to over at the Arbach Center. Now, what I'm most interested in, I hope the NBA has like a live camera in it or something, but the NBA players are going to have a players-only lounge in each hotel where there will be NBA 2K gaming. There will be t- uh, TVs available. Daily entertainment will be provided like movie screenings, DJ sets 
ping pong. There'll be some lawn games outside each resort. But here's the thing. There's no doubles in those games because that's not practicing social distancing. So if Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Carson Edwards, and Jalen Brown want to play ping pong, they got to do it one-on-one, not two-on-two because you got to be six feet apart. So that's how detailed this NBA thing is. It's crazy. NBA players will also have access to pools, hiking trails, barbers, and golf courses. And that will be very interesting because I'm sure a lot of you have seen or heard, if you follow Jason Tatum on the World Wide Web, on the social media platforms, Jason Tatum has been golfing a lot now. Is it taking him away from his basketball game? I don't think so because if he's only taking two-hour-long golf lessons and he wakes up at 9 o'clock in the morning and he's done by noon and then he goes to the R-back center and practices his jump shot and his unbelievable step-back three-pointer for six hours, go ahead, you can golf for a couple hours. I'll accept that. I'll take it. So it'll be interesting to see if Jason Tatum continues to golf as much as he has up here. What The other thing that I found a little interesting is there will be card games available. You know, if you watch The Last Dance, the, Michael, the unbelievable Michael Jordan documentary, NBA players play cards, and they like to gamble a little bit. But after each game, a new pack will have to be used, and it will be thrown away. So I need someone to find out how many packs of cards the NBA purchased for this thing. Because 82 days, if you're playing 10, let's just say 10 card games a day, that's 820 packs of cards. That's crazy. I don't even know how much packs of cards cost these days, but that's got to be a pretty penny. Absolutely. So, Disney staff. What's going to be going on with the Disney staff? How are players going to get into each other's rooms, etc., etc.? So, the Disney staff must always be wearing gloves and face masks, and they must maintain six feet distance from anyone associated with the NBA, which is great. They will have their daily temperature and symptoms checked, and housekeeping can never be in the same room as an NBA player. What's interesting about that is is if, if I'm a housekeeper for, let's say, the Yacht Club down at Disney World, I'm allowed to go home. I'm allowed to go live my life. I'm allowed to go to restaurants. I'm allowed to go to bars. I'm allowed to go to the grocery store, so on and so forth. So if I get COVID by going out to eat and then I know I'm asymptomatic and I don't know about that and then I go and clean James Harden's room or something, I could give it to him without even knowing that I have it. So I feel like that is a huge red flag for me and a huge risk that the NBA is taking that they're not keeping Disney staff there. I know they probably legally can't do that, but that's one thing that I'm probably the most nervous about non-basketball wise is the fact that someone who is work, you know, needs a job, working their tail off, making sure they're doing everything right to keep their business, their establishment clean and look beautiful, could go out to dinner and just get it from something completely random and then pass it on and then the whole thing's screwed. So that will be interesting. The NBA is giving each player what they're calling a Disney Magic Band. You have to wear it at all times when you're inside the bubble, unless you are working out or playing. These will be used to check into your room if you're a player or a coach or whatever the case may be, and for coronavirus testing. So I guess each player is probably going to have an ID, and they're probably going to do something with that. But I didn't see a lot 
with what the Disney magic ban and the coronavirus testing is going to be. They probably kept that on the DL because people are crazy and probably find a way to fuck around with them. Uh, so the NBA will be playing in three different arenas at the at ESPN's Wide World of Sports Complex. You have the arena, the HP Fieldhouse, and then the Visa Athletic Center. Of course, there will be no fans, but players can attend as many games as they want. So if Marcus Smart is bored one day and he wants to go watch four out, you know, four basketball games, he's allowed to do that. You know, he could leave, go get some food, come back. He's allowed to do it all. The game plan right now is there will be seven games per day from 12 p.m. to 9 p.m., and two out of the three courts will be broadcasted nationally on either TNT or ESPN. So literally, as a basketball fan, if this all works out, which I hope it does, even if it's just for a week, if you give me 9, 10, 11, worth, 11 hours worth of basketball, for seven straight days, oh, oh, I'm gonna come out looking like fat, fat bastard from Austin Powers. I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna be sitting there snacking. I'm not gonna move. I'm not gonna shower. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna be, yum yum yum, basketball, basketball, basketball. That's all I'm gonna do. I absolutely love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. I really hope this works. I need basketball. I really hope this works. So, I found something that uh, Shams posted on Twitter. What the normal game day schedule will be like for the home team for a 7 p.m. game. The away team is going to be 30 minutes behind this schedule that I'm giving out. So, for example, if something starts at 8.30 for the home team, it will actually start at 9 for the away team. That makes sense? I apologize if this sounds like I'm actually reading something right now. It's because I am. So here we go. From 8.30 to 9.30 a.m., there will be team breakfast. And then, like I said, the away team will be 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., obviously in different locations. Duh. 9.30, players head to the courts, and 10 a.m., they'll have a shoot-around for one hour. After that, two to three players will be available for a Zoom-type press conference with the media. 11 a.m., the teams head back to their hotel, and then 11.30 a.m., they'll have a post-shoot-around lunch till about 1.30 so they have lunch for about two hours. Now, they don't have to spend all two hours there, but that's the case. They're allowed to do it. Then, after lunch ends from that 11.30 to 1.30 slot, you get downtime till about 4.30 p.m. And at that time, transportation leaves to head off to the, one of the three courts. 5 p.m. to 6.15, you get court access, you know, where you can stretch, maybe work out a little bit. And then team meetings from 6.15 to 6.40. Pre-game warm-ups will be 6.40 to 7 p.m., and then they're going to do their introductions, the national anthems, et cetera, et cetera, and the games will start 7.10, 9.10, you know, whatever the case may be, and the plan is hopefully they'll last until about 9.40. 10-minute post-game meetings with the team, 30 minutes after that for, again, another Zoom-type press conference for two or three players, and then they head back to the hotel for 11 p.m., and then they get the next day off. Each team that is playing these eight games has to play one back-to-back. So that's interesting. One back-to-back for each team. So that schedule that I gave you, seven out of the eight games, they'll have a day off afterwards. Because that is a long day. That uh, You'll probably have to wake up at, let's say, 7.30 in the morning. Take a shower. Get ready to go. And then you're going to be with the team from about 8 to 11. That's a long time. That's a 15-hour day. 
It's a pretty, pretty long time. So how are the benches going to look? Uh, there's going to be two rows of benches. The first row, players and coaches. No mask is required for the coaches and obviously the players, but it is recommended. And then the second row, whatever it may be, whether it's an injured player, uh, an assistant coach, a video guy, a social media person, whatever the case may be, they have to wear a mask. And that's also something I'm going to be really interested in. How are all these social media platforms going to work with the teams? Like, each team is allowed to bring 35 people. Are the Celtics or the Pelicans or the Lakers or the Clippers or whatever the case may be, are they going to bring just one person down to record all of this? Are they going to risk one person's life just so I can watch a 10-second video on Snapchat? I think they will, and I'm going to be thankful for it because I want to get as much in-depth as possible. If I'm going to be watching basketball 11 hours a day, you got to give me something else to do during the commercials, you know, because I'm not a big commercial guy. I feel like not a lot of us aren't. So I'm interested in that. That's something I'm interested in. Now, <clears throat> the most interesting part to me, and I hope someone calls because NBA Twitter is going to blow up and it's going to be so much fun because there's nothing better than NBA Twitter. NBA has created a hotline for anyone to call if they see any coach, anyone associated with the team, or any player that violates any of the protocols. So, for example, let's say it's the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs and the Celtics and the Raptors are playing each other. And you see Norman Powell, Marc Gasol, Kyle Lowry, and Pascal Siakam playing doubles in ping pong. Jalen Brown sees it. Jalen Brown could call this hotline literally rat out those four players from the Raptors and something might happen, whether it's a fine, maybe they don't play a game, who knows? But if that gets out on NBA Twitter, whoo-wee, people are going to have a field day. The memes, oh, the captions, oh, God, I can't wait. If it does happen, if it does happen. Now, before we get into the basketball talk, there have been some players who have opted out of playing in this so far. The first one that opted out was Avery Bradley from the Lakers. Obviously a big loss for the Lakers. He's played very well for them this year. We all love Avery Bradley, former Celtic. I don't blame Ave I don't blame any of these players for opting out, especially Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley has a 6-year-old kid who has a respiratory issue, so for him to go come back and possibly put his child's life in danger is a huge risk. So I respect the living shit out of Avery Bradley for doing the right thing for his family and putting basketball aside. So salute to you, Avery Bradley. I'll always love you. Trevor Ariza from the Trailblazers has also opted out. Then you have Willie Cauley-Stein from the Mavericks, Wilson Chandler, and DeAndre Jordan from the Nets. So the Nets are going to make the playoffs. I really don't think the Wizards are going to be moving up. But with no Kyrie Irving, no Wilson Chandler, no Kevin Durant, no DeAndre Jordan, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be lasting a while in down in Orlando. Tabo Cephalosha. Love that name. He will not be playing for the Rockets. I don't think he's really been playing much. He had an injury a couple years ago, and I, I swear to God, ever since then, he's just been injured, 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 no matter where he goes, whether it's with the Rockets, the Jazz, or the Thunder, whatever the case may be. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Oh, uh, Victor Olodipo from the Pacers. I mean, not a huge loss for the Pacers. I don't think he's... Did he play maybe a game, maybe two games during this process uh, when he came back? I know he was planning on coming back. 
I forget if he actually did come back or not, but the Pacers have spent 99% of their season without him, so that's not a huge loss for them. And obviously it gives him more time to recover from that horrific, horrific knee injury. But the most interesting one, which then leads into a different conversation, is um, Bertrands. Tavis Bertrands from the Washington Wizards. I'm trying to say this the right way. Bertrands has had a great year, a stellar year, and he's going to be becoming a free agent next summer. It's important because they are in the nine seed. So losing one of their best players, because John Wall's not coming back, Bradley Beal is obviously fantastic and great, and I love Bradley Beal, and I want him on the Celtics. We've all heard it before. But Bertrands could get a max contract. And Bertrands has had two ACL surgeries. So if he gets hurt again, like if he has an ACL tear again, he's not making money anymore. So this is a good risk and a good call by Bertrands and his team because now he has the opportunity to be healthy. People know how well he played this past season and they can offer him a good chunk of change. And I respect that. With that being said, the NBA has been working on an insurance policy for players who are up for max contracts next summer, like Bertrands, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo from the Heat, and of course, Jason Tatum. The hope, if all this goes well, is that Jason, is that Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Bertrands, whatever the case may be, can sign their rookie max extensions with their teams before all of this basketball starts. That is the dream scenario. Those are the rumors that are going around the NBA world. We could literally have Jason Tatum sign for the next four or five years within the next 16, 17 days, which would be beautiful. You'd have Jalen locked up. You'd have Jason locked up. You'd have another couple years at Kemba. Who knows about Gordon? Marcus Smart will be here for a couple years. So you got your core guys. It would be really cool. Now, if you're the Boston Celtics, you offer this max contract? I think so. I think what you saw from Jason Tatum the last three months in January, February, and March, you absolutely give this guy a max contract. You got the money for it. Hopefully, if Gordon does opt in, maybe he does what we were hoping Al Horford would have done, which would opt back in, but for a little bit less money. You know, still make a good chunk of change, but for less money. So hopefully this happens because I can't even fathom I love being stressed about the Celtics again, like I really do, but I can't even fathom Tatum getting hurt and then having it affect his max contract next year. Oh my God, I'd throw up everywhere. It'd be terrible. It would absolutely be terrible. So I will try and keep you posted on all forms of social media about that. You know, my Facebook page, Banner Banter Podcast, Instagram, Banner Banter Podcast, and Twitter, Banner Banter 18. Thank you very much. All right. Let's talk about basketball, shall we, before we end this podcast. We're just going to talk about the standings, what the Celtics, who the Celtics are playing, strength of schedule, and then episode 75 will really get into what I'm expecting, what I'm hoping for, what I'm going to be looking for, who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, etc., etc. So the Boston Celtics are going to start playing basketball in 18 days. It's July 6th. So if you're listening to this on Monday, July 6th, 18 days. If you're listening tomorrow, 17, the day after that, 16, the day after that, 15, because I'll be counting down every single motherfucking second before they start playing, and it better happen. I can't be teased like this. This will be like, it'll be worse than blue balls, I'll tell you that right now. All right, 
So the Celtics, the NBA the other day did announce that they are coming out with a schedule, a scrimmage schedule. So each team will be able to scrimmage and kind of get back into a, a game flow before the season starts on July 30th or July 31st, depending on where your team is scheduled. So they'll be playing their first scrimmage versus the Thunder on July 24th at 5 p.m. And then they will play another scrimmage versus the Suns and Aaron Baines on July 26th at 1.30 p.m., which is a Sunday. So a Friday afternoon-ish, and then a Sunday, like basically NFL start time. I don't care if it's 90 degrees out and it's perfect. I will waste money on my air conditioning to make sure that I can sit, be comfortable, and watch these Boston Celtics. Here is the real schedule for the Celtics. July 31st versus the Bucks. That That's how they're going to start this off. Just let's pitter-patter. Let's get at her. July 31st versus the Bucks at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. Then August 2nd versus the Trailblazers at 3.30 p.m. on ABC. August 4th versus the Heat at 6.30 p.m. That will be on TNT. And then the next day, that this will be their Celtics back-to-back on August 5th versus the Nets at 9 p.m. Hopefully, that Nets game, because I can't handle Spencer Dinwiddie just carrying this Nets team and pissing me off. Because he almost did that a couple times this season versus Celtics. And obviously, no DeAndre Jordan. That's a that's a big help. Wilson Chandler's a vet, so and a good defender, so that's good too. August 7th, the most important game in my opinion. You can say that the Bucks game's important. Sure, if the Celtics win and they start off 1-0, that's great. But the Bucks are going to be the one seed unless they lose all eight games and the Raptors lose, I mean, win like seven games. But the most important game is August 7th, 9 p.m. on TNT versus the Raptors, and I'll explain why very, very shortly. And then they play the Magic on August 9th at 5 p.m., then they play the Grizzlies on August 11th at 6.30 p.m. And then August 13th, they play the Wizards with a time that is TBD. So all games will be on NBC Sports Boston if you want to listen to Mike. And I'm going to assume Scal because I don't think Tommy should be anywhere near anyone during this COVID since the older crowd's affected. But you can also check on the national side. ESPN, ABC, TNT will definitely have, uh, it looks like, six out of the eight Celtics games. Now, right off the bat, you say to yourself, that schedule is not too bad. It's really not. And when I looked at some of the stats and the strength of schedule, the Celtics have the third easiest schedule, 20th out of 22 teams down in Orlando. So that's obviously great. You look at it right now, you think the Celtics could definitely go 6-2, and 5-3 and three at the absolute worst. At the absolute worst, 5-3. and three. But I could see them going 6-2. and two. I feel like that that's reasonable. I can... I can see them just randomly beating the, you know, the Bucks because they're just so juiced, and then like losing like a stupid game like to the Heat or something, you know. But I mean, the Heat are good, so it's, it can't be a stupid game. So the last three games I think are going to be super important for the Celtics because if the Magic Grizzlies and Wizards already know their fate, like if the Wizards know that they're not going to be making the playoffs, and it's August thirteenth, you've already spent a couple weeks in Disney World, you're over it. They're not going to show up, so that should be an easy dub. If the Grizzlies know that they have made the playoffs as well as the eight seed or just the fact that they're going to have to be in the play-in tournament, then they might just kind of take a rest day too. The Magic, that Magic game again, if they know that they're in, which they should be, then they'll know. The Celtics don't match up very well with the Magic. We all know that. They haven't over the last couple of years. 
So I'm a little nervous about that game too, but I feel like if the Magic are there, then people they're just going to go through the motion. So interesting there. So the, the way that the standings are right now, the Bucks will have the one seed. I mean, it's set in stone. I think they're like six and a half games up on the Raptors. Like, it's set in stone. But this is where it gets interesting. That's why this August 7th game versus the Raptors at 9 p.m. is very, very important. The Raptors are three games up on the Celtics, and the Celtics are two and a half games up on the Heat. So the Raptors are the two seed, Celtics are the three seed, the Heat are the four seed. The Heat have a two-game lead over the Pacers and the 76ers, which are currently tied for that fifth and sixth spot. So honestly, if you beat the Raptors, you're now two games up. I would prefer having the two seed. Do I think it's likely that the Raptors, you know, only go four and four and the because remember guys, the the Raptors would have to go four and four, and the Celtics would have to go seven and one to for them to tie, and then I believe the Celtics have the tiebreaker. So yeah, that's kind of important. I don't know if I mean the Raptors are a really good team. People like sleep on the Raptors. Like Pascal Siakam is so freaking good. Kyle Lowry is so annoying, but he's good. Marcus Saul, I'm I'm sure with enough time off, he'll be fine. Norman Powell's coming back from an injury. Like they're they're going to be good. Trust me. They're going to be good. But their strength of schedule says differently. According to this strength of schedule thing that I saw, the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors have the two toughest schedules for every team going down to Orlando. The Pacers 14th and the 76ers have the second easiest schedule. 21st out of 22. The Heat play the Nuggets, the Pacers twice, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks. That's no joke. Six out of eight games against teams in the playoffs. That's a tough schedule. The Raptors, they play the Lakers, the Heat, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Nuggets, and the Celtics. Again. Six games against playoff teams, like legitimate playoff teams. Now, of course, as a Celtics fan, you want the two seed. I don't mind the three seed, but you don't want to match up with the 76ers or the Bucks until you have to. So if, if you can get that two seed or the three seed, because to be honest with you, home court doesn't matter now. There's going to be no fans in the stands. So I, that's why I'm a little bit interested on the 76ers because the 76ers are an incredible home team. We talked about it a lot. They're very good at home, but they're not that great on the road. So how will they do with no fans? That's why I think this NBA championship will be one of the coolest and hardest to win because it's literally just going to be playing basketball. You don't have to worry if you have home court, you're not traveling. It's literally you're going to wake up, you're going to pick up a basketball, and you're going to play. And may the best team win. So everyone talking about this should be an asterisk. Sure, maybe I kind of get it. But I also think it's going to be the most difficult one you'll ever get. To literally wake up in a hotel room every single day. Not for out of a seven-game series. Not three nights. Then the four nights you get to spend with your in your big bed, at home, with your family, relaxing. It's not going to be like that. Mentally, it's going to be draining on a lot of people. So I don't think this is, I think this is going to be extremely tough for a lot of people. And then that's why I think this is going to be really cool. And to be honest with you, I hope these scrimmage, you know, I hope these games are like pickup, like just super intense people yapping at each other. I hope some rivalries get picked up from it. So that's why, you know, you look at a team like the 76ers, they needed home court. 
to to do well. I mean, you look at their home record and you look at their road record, and it's it's polar opposites. It's insane the difference. I mean, the Celtics, you know, obviously a little bit better than home than on the road, but like not as big as the 76ers difference. So if you're the Celtics, you want the two or three seed because if the 76ers get the five seed and they beat, let's say, the Heat, who are the four seed, they are then playing the Bucks, And then you're going to have to play the Raptors in the second round if all goes well. And then you have Giannis and Embiid and Simmons and Middleton beat the living crap out of each other for seven games. And then hopefully you can beat the Raptors, and then you meet them in the Eastern Conference Final, two teams that just went at it, two teams that people were going back and forth were technically the two best teams in the East to start the season on paper. I'm for that. So the two would be nice. The three is the three has to happen. They just can't drop to fourth because then you're seeing the Bucks in the second round. Now, am I confident with the Celtics could beat the Bucks? On neutral court? Uh, Yeah. I think so. I'm not confident about it, but I think they could do it. I'm just very interested to see how good the Bucs were at home, how they're going to react with no fans. I mean, the Bucs are a good road team, too, and they have Chris Middleton, who literally shoots, you know, 99 out of 100 shots versus the Celtics. They all go in. It's ridiculous. He takes 100, 99 goes, goes in. It's so annoying. I'm so happy I'm going to be stressed and frustrated and punching things again because of the Celtics. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So here are my predictions on the standings before we end the podcast. And then next week we'll talk about the five things that I'm looking for, what I'm hoping for from the Celtics, what Brad should be doing with the lineups and the rotations, so on and so forth. So here are my predictions on the standings. The Bucks will get the one seed. The Raptors will get the two seed. Celtics three. 76ers will move up and get the four seed. Heat will get the five. Pacers six. Magic seven. Nets eight. Then that way it will be Bucks versus Nets. Raptors versus Magic. Celtics versus Pacers. 76ers versus Heat. Then it will be Bucks 76ers. Celtics Raptors. In hopes, again, this is my prediction, that it will be Bucks versus Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, if we get that far. And who the who the hell knows what will happen then? Gordon could be gone. Vincent Play could be gone. I don't know if any other Bucks players are waiting for kids coming their way. Who the hell knows? Because maybe some of them were planning on having a kid in September because they knew it was the offseason technically, and then COVID happened, and who knows? Who knows? So that is it for Episode 74 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Sorry if I was a little bit of a stuttering Stanley and all over the place. I'm giddy to be talking to all of you again about Boston Celtics basketball. And I'm just glad something's coming back to normal because these last three months have been cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, to say the very least. So thank you so much for listening, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, you name it. Whatever podcast application you're listening to, I appreciate that you're listening. Always follow me on Instagram at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook at BannerBanter18. And you can also follow me on Twitter at BannerBanter18. I'm on Twitter the most, just so you know. That's where I get give you the most information that I can. So if you have any other questions for me, you can also email me at BannerBanterPodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully all this information was good for you and you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week. We'll ta- Oh, 
And by the way, next week I might have a new logo for the podcast. I might, but we'll see. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Black Lives Matter. Wash your hands and wear a freaking mask. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.